You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by One United Bank, America's largest Black-owned bank and first Black internet bank. One United Bank is leading an exciting new charge and encouraging us all to think about ways to make Black history now. Through our spending, our impact, our activism, and our legacy. This is more than a moment. It's a movement. With the right mindset and actions, we can be financially woke. When we unite the power of our dollars, there's no limit to what we can do. One United believes that money is power and we can use it to build wealth in the Black community, not only for today, but for the future as well. Move your money and bank Black with One United Bank today. Visit OneUnited.com to learn more. Sweet us let us know when you open up an account so we could celebrate with you. Hey, 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 it's Courtney. Joy Marie here, and we are back. Yes, new episodes of Job Logs on the 1st and the 15th of every month. If you love this show, share it with a friend or a coworker. Spread the love. Complete our audience survey by April 30th for a chance to win a $100 gift card. Visit joblogs.com survey today. Coming up, is it just us or does it seem like these days day jobs are getting a bad rap? This week, we're catching up with one of our group chat girlfriends and entertainment marketer, Brooke DeVard Ozai-Dimley, to discuss ways to work your nine to five and take advantage of the resources, access, and network your job can afford. Yes, but first, we're clocking in. Joy, what's a good word? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm staying busy. I'm staying fit. I'm going to the gym. I have a trainer. I'm staying hydrated. So um, I really can't complain. I do feel like 30 has um, (laughs) been, continued to be like such an introspective and transformative Mm. year of growth. Like, it's funny. All the rumors are true. Like, 30 (laughs) is amazing. So I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Um, what about you? How are you? I'm good. I have come back with extra jewelry. You're blinding me, honey. You're blinding me. Oh my yes, God. I got engaged in Mexico. Yeah. I'm very excited. Aww. But it's interesting because it's like it's a mix of like this very joyful mm-hmm. light. But it's also like it's, lightness, yes. It's, lightness is <laughs> the word to use, honey. Like I can't see. Oh, you're <laughs> but it's just like it's it's heavy at the mm. same time. It's like it's, a, it's like an adult. My love life is adulting. Mm. Like this, there's this. I'm engaged. Yeah. I was saying like I almost feel like a mob wife in training because <laughs> it's just like it's for the family. <laughs> like this is Ooh, serious. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. It's like it feels very serious. Really? Like, yeah. Really? Just even, off of that Even shift. like we've talked about it like mm-hmm. we've been together a very long yeah. time, but it just feels like it's like yeah. something it's a, You know, it's a, the, it's a statement to the world it about is. you. It like, was even crazy like going from just telling like you and friends mm-hmm. and family to like putting it on yes. social media it's like yeah this is like a press release and you're move i feel moment. like you're pretty private too I like am. about certain things so yeah. it's like this is a declaration 
Yes. He is yeah. tagged. Yeah. Handles included. Mm-hmm. Like, it's I a love thing. it, though. Congratulations. So, yes, new chapters mm-hmm. on the horizon. I love it. Um, so, while you were busy <laughs> floating away in, in Bliss World in paradise, <laughs> the world was scamming and... Girl, that's a lot. I feel it like is. so every week I feel like when I chat with you, I'm just like Facebook <laughs> because <laughs> you called it before it was even on my radar. Um, so I think Zuckerberg at the time of this recording is like testifying. Yeah. And that, I caught like a snippet of it. Yeah, he, I haven't even gotten wasn't into doing that. Too, wasn't doing too well for the clip I saw. But I saw um, – I'm not even going to talk about the data privacy stuff, but I saw a different data privacy issue where it came out that one of the Black Lives Matter pages, the one with the most followers mm. on Facebook period, over 700,000 followers, was actually fake. It's a fake. It's run really? by Australian scammers. What are they scamming? Girl. So they they fundraised. They collected money over $100,000 and purported that it would be donated to the Black Lives Matter movement. That is horrible. And what's funny about the situation is that um, the real Black Lives Matter movement, I think some folks from there had actually suspected that it was a fake CNN reported this Mm -hmm. that it was a fake page and reported it to Facebook but nothing was done and that seems to be like the recurring theme of Facebook's woes these days so it just makes me think about like who the onus lies on to vet stuff like that interesting yeah yeah because I think this is a quote one that I saw on Twitter during his um, hearing this happening now, Zuckerberg says, we didn't take a broad enough view of our responsibility. Mm. And that was our mistake. That was my mistake. I'm sorry. Mm. But that's like the thing. It's like responsibility. Like no one, people are just rolling these apps and technologies out and no one's just thinking about who is responsible for that. Yeah. And on the same page, like we've talked a lot recently with the fake news trend about the onus on us as like consumers to make sure part of it you know when i was posting about my engagement i was really thinking about whether i should do it on facebook like i was oh, really, really questioning whether i should why because it was just like with everything happening do i want to contribute to this mm, platform mm. and i uh, rationalized it with like i don't really use facebook yeah <laughs> so it's like oh i'm just putting this on there but in a way like, I'm putting on there so people will engage with yeah. it. So, like, I am adding to their community, quote-unquote. Yeah. So I know, I Apple, know Apple execs are boycotting Facebook, but I have a feeling that's slightly rooted right. in self <laughs> <laughs> reasons. But in oh, other they, don't, they don't want us digging in their garden, Girl. Apple. In other scam news, this, <laughs> this I don't, you know, I didn't know if you wanted to touch on this. We haven't really gotten into it on the group chat. Okay. Can we discuss your alma mater? As long as you don't drag my institution. I will absolutely not. Howard University, a fine institution, historically black college and university. Um, But lately, recently kind of got in the middle of an internet firestorm about um, some misappropriation of financial aid funds. Google it. Read up on it. I don't really want to focus on that. I want to talk a little bit about a gentleman (laughs) that found himself in the center of the drama a young Tyrone Hankerson <laughs> Jr. 
law student at Howard University. And SoundCloud rapper. Oh, really? Yeah, you, you didn't get the... No! Like, oh, my God. Our group chats have been lit. They I have bet. been hilarious. I bet. I have been cracking I want to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> but, yeah, so this gentleman, as I understand it, you know, he's a law, graduate-level law student, but worked in the financial aid office, so kind of got mixed up in whatever this scam was, this misappropriation of funds. Um, he was accused of spending over 400 k in financial mm. aid. Um, and social media, as yeah, they, they are wont him. to do, dragged this man. <laughs> like, went back and found pictures of him with furs and Gucci bags <laughs> and said, oh, no, Tyrone, right. <laughs> not today. Um, but I wanted to talk about it because he then, I read recently, is countersuing or suing yeah. Howard for $10 million. And it made me think about, like, the court of public opinion mm-hmm. and when, like, is too far and like you know you went to Howard I've had different groups I've been affiliated with that have been dragged into scandals and Mm -hmm. it's always a sensitive thing it's like when do you kind of jump on somebody if they haven't for a fact been tried as guilty that is true and you know this might be unchristian of me but I don't feel bad about his drag something in the milk is not cool I don't know how involved you were I don't know Something is not right. Hmm. So, I mean, I do not feel bad about you that. Don't, I, you I, don't. These jokes got off. Did you contribute to it? No, like not right, online right. in my personal life. But why didn't you? Online. I'm not very, like, I'm not like a dragger. Yeah. Like, that's just not something yeah. I enjoy doing on yeah. social at all. So, yeah, I didn't participate. But I don't know. I just feel like it's such a, it's a symptom of a larger issue. Mm. So it's like, I don't even care about him. Like, the jokes are funny. Yeah. But, like, really, I'm my only concern is, like, why can't this prestigious institution, like, get it together? Yeah. Why yeah. is this president dealing with these issues in secret? Like, why yes. does it take a medium post for, or wherever they posted it, for it to come out? So, yeah. like, my issue is always going to be with, like, Let's serve these students that are I like when dragging is used for good in that type Mm -hmm. of capacity, like to incite social change. We talked about it on the show. But I think I I was just thinking twice about on the personal level, Mm -hmm. you know, when you draw the line and maybe when you choose to or not to opine on something. Yeah, I am very – just the point that the culture has gotten with that, it's a little disturbing to me. Yeah, for sure. And just, like, on so many levels. And I think people are starting to talk about this more, just about, like, how beneficial is that? Or, yeah. like, even someone like a Cardi B. Yeah. And, like, oh, Cardi B is problematic and da-da-da, and we're going to drag her for this. But, like, why wouldn't she be problematic? She's, yeah. like, 25 years old. Right. A stripper from the Bronx. <laughs> like, she's going to have to yeah. learn things, and yeah. people aren't going to learn at all exactly. if our instinct is to... Just drag yeah, yeah. mud. Yeah. You know, just I, I just want to encourage us all to exert a little bit of caution <laughs> in choosing to or not to engage in that kind of behavior. But, yeah. yeah, and I think people problem. are so quick to want to jump on the bandwagon mm-hmm. and show that they're it's woke. group think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That I think yeah. like we also need to remember like you could be looking like. Mm-hmm crazy out here mm-hmm. so i mean maybe tyrone <laughs> if we owe you an apology you know prove it in the court of law and we will give you your apology so next up is rants rays and reviews and this is the part of the show where we share things that are helping or hindering us uh, in the world of work so joy you are up 
Yeah, I have a, a bit of a rave slash maybe recommendation. Okay. <laughs> um. So, you know, I got tired of you and our other girlfriend in the group chat who <laughs> are clearly very politically woke and just up on everything, oh sharing God. stories that I had no context about. And so um, I've started incorporating into my morning routine, reading my trades and my newsletters and my you. publications. Wrong. Yeah. I like... It's important because I feel like to just have the context of what's going on in the world to be Mm -hmm. able to contribute meaningfully to conversations Um, and also just like in work, just to kind of understand how what's happening on a macro level is affecting what you're you're doing. So I think we've done this before a few times in past episodes, but I think a refresher is always good. So I just kind of wanted to go through the ways that I keep up on the news and trends and also hear from you like what your favorite Methods are? Sure. It's it's always changing, so I'm always fascinated. So for me right now, Twitter remains Mm -hmm. up there. I mean, it's real time, and I feel like the trending topics tell you (laughs) what you need to care about. Precisely. Um, Obviously, fact check. Um, For me, industry-specific, for the space I'm in, I love AdAge, um, Digiday, which is for marketing and advertising, um, insights and their their podcasts as well. So I like their newsletters. I like their podcasts. Um, I do CNN breaking news alerts to my email, my work mm. email though. So I also split it between my personal and my work email. Okay. You do you do like the push notifications on your phone? I do the New York Times push I notifications. So I can only do one app for push. Okay. I'm thinking about stopping that because lately both those and the CNN email ones are dominated with. This fool of a president. And it's just like, this is just not, this yeah. can't all be news. Yeah. Like, what else is happening? So, but I, I like the mix of getting real time updates just to be, even if I like swipe it off my screen, just mm-hmm. to be aware of what happened that day. Yeah. And then with the emails, it's like, I choose to dive okay. deep if I, I like want. that. So I love fast company for innovation mm-hmm. in different spaces because I think that's like what helps me feel like I'm plugged into the future. And actually LinkedIn, too. Really? I am never on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. Never there. Um, I feel like folks only use LinkedIn twice a year. um, (laughs) I'm on LinkedIn. Nice. (laughs) And, yeah, I like LinkedIn. It gives you – it's from your feed. So Mm -hmm. there's the content Uh, that your feed is sharing, articles they think are relevant. So I like that aspect, like seeing what my, my timeline is curating. Um, and then, of course, the, you know, the occasional op-ed or deep, you know, long-form article mm-hmm. to dive into. But, yeah, what do you what, – what are your sources? Well, you know, I don't know when it happened, but Twitter is now my only source of news, oh, really. <laughs> That's amazing. I know. But, I mean, my feed is immaculate. And it's mm-hmm. because what I do – the key to a great Twitter feed is I follow writers mm. or just people who are – researchers, anyone who's, like, paid to be curious. So mm. if I read an article and I really just like how they write, their perspective, then I'll add them on Twitter. Got it. Only problem with that, and I'm kind of thinking about maybe uh, divesting from Twitter, <laughs> is because I just think I'm concerned about not having original perspective or mm. giving myself space to, like, Think of how I how I feel about something before because right. like well, the thing about getting your news from Twitter or social media is that it comes framed already. Right. It comes with an opinion, right? And I'm just concerned that like 
And I mean, I just catch up by like when I'm on a train. I'll just yeah. be like, okay, what's happening on Twitter? Blah, yeah. Blah, like, okay. are we just regurgitating other right. people's perspectives? And it goes yeah. back to kind of that group think mm-hmm. we were talking about with dragging people. It's like, am I really mad about this? Right. Or am I just mad because everybody right. else is mad? Ooh, okay. All so right. I'm thinking. My friend referred me to Feedly, which I oh. might try. It's kind of like a throwback to Google Reader where you can, oh, like, add yeah. sites and they would pull in. Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe I need Something to, like, like that. take that yeah. approach of, like, maybe adding some outlets yeah. that I like and just kind of going back to more long form. Because I'm... Um, yeah. These... Listen, TV. these technologies, <laughs> child. Y- y'all not going to get out. caught up out here, so... So we are pretty excited to have Brooke in the studio with us today. Welcome, Brooke. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm a longtime Job Logs listener. Yeah. So it's kind of surreal um, to be on the show. Yeah. We actually met at a networking event. Yes. Like, what, two, a year or two ago? Yeah, I think just about two years ago. And you were so kind to me. I was just like a little <laughs> baby podcaster. Like, I literally had put up three episodes and... You know, I had new job logs. It was this big show, and I came up to you, Joy Marie, and you were just so kind. You allowed me to take you out to dinner. Yeah, and of course. You've just been so helpful to me. So yeah, I'm and happy that was to be here. So, Brooke Devard Ozidan Lee is a senior marketing manager at Viacom in New York City, where she oversees content strategy and digital marketing, helping to develop some of Viacom's first original content series, like Hype and Influence and the Fan Club podcast. Really fun. Prior to Viacom, Brooke also worked at Ralph Lauren as a social media manager overseeing the social strategy for their luxury brands. And she started her career in London as a product marketing manager for Nokia's entertainment team. So definitely very well suited for this conversation. You've had a number of roles mm-hmm. in corporate and mm-hmm. kind of navigated that and used that um, to build up your own personal endeavors. So in your spare time, you also host the Naked Beauty podcast, discussing beauty trends, tips. I've been a guest on the show. Yes. It's amazing. Um, so just really excited to dive in today. For sure. So let's get right into the meat of it. Let's. Um, we know that many of us are kind of conditioned to like despise the day job. Mm-hmm. Like it, it has a really bad reputation problem. But you say that we need to kind of reframe how we look at that. Yes, absolutely. I think for me, working at a company is getting paid to learn. And I think that there's this really dangerous mentality of working in a big corporation being this like soul sucking waste of your time when you could be pursuing things that you're actually passionate about. And I think the key is to figure out how to bring your passions into the workplace and like max, I mean, these are like multi-billion dollar, even if you're at a startup, there's so much you can learn at a startup in terms of process and how they organize the teams and how they do budget. So I think working at a company is one of the best ways to learn and get paid. Yeah. Where does that mentality come from? Like, how did we get to, like, how did we get to that place? Oh, how do you, how do I think people, the negative, well, because I even think about like the example of like the Monday blues, which we talk Mm -hmm, about, we've talked about in past episodes, like getting away from that dread about Mm -hmm. Mondays. Where did we get to a place where it was just sort of commonly acceptable to view your day job as just drudgery? Yeah, I think that it's just kind of very pervasive throughout culture. It's this whole idea about living for the weekend, right? Everyone's just kind of counting down the days until Friday. But I think that's a sign that you're not at the place that you need to be, or you're not really maximizing the opportunities you have in the role you're in. And I think we talked about this on a previous episode. You kind of 
almost use it as a bonding tool, which is mm. kind of sick. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> With your other coworkers, because I know when we come back from holidays, everyone's in the elevator just, like, so bummed to be right, back. Right. Even when you have, like, a great institution that you work for. It's yeah. like small talk almost. I also think just generally the nature of work has evolved where now, you know, it's less about manufacturing and goods and all right. of that and more they're more service-based roles. There's marketing and design mm-hmm. and just things that are more creatively inspiring too. So maybe our mentality needs to shift with, with that as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think another big thing that I've seen on my timeline, I don't know if you've encountered this, is just like the idea that working for yourself or entrepreneurship can somehow equate to freedom, whereas like a day job is limiting you from reaching your full potential. Yeah. And I think, again, that's a really dangerous mentality because entrepreneurs have a lot of challenges. My husband has his own agency. Mm. And if you don't have a boss, guess what? You have a client or a vendor that you're dealing with. They're still... Oh my God, say that again. I feel like so many people overlook that. You're still working for somebody. You're still working for someone. You still have to figure out a way to pay the bills. And it can actually be more stressful than having that security of a paycheck. And then you think about what that security allows you in terms of just spiritually knowing that that check is coming kind of gives you a limit, sorry, an ability to be more comfortable in a way that I don't think you can be when it's all on you to bring in the money. And I think it's something that I learned very early on, actually my first job when I was in London. So I, you know, graduated from college. I was the most junior person on the team. Like I was, you know, very entry level coordinator and I was in their London office. Everyone was international. Nokia is a Finnish company. They were not a market leader at the time that I joined, but it wasn't about the company that I worked for or the position that Nokia was in. I had the most amazing boss and Mm. it's been five years. So I now can recognize that he was incredible. Andy Gateskill Kendrick, incredible. He trusted me because we were launching a music product in the U.S. It was a streaming music service, Nokia Music. And I pitched this idea where we would do a series of short documentary films across the country. So I was like, we'll do one in New Orleans. We'll do one in New York. We'll do Mm -hmm. one in L.A. All short micro docs. The films were really incredible. He let me basically go on the road, make all this content. We premiered it at Sundance. It was aired on television. Then I was sort of like, oh, work is really just what you make it. You have to bring ideas to the table. No one asked me to go and do a documentary film series, it was kind of, and some of it's also the naivete, like when you're very junior, you Mm -hmm. kind of just think you can, so I didn't even think anything twice about proposing it. Right. And um, it was approved, and Beyonce even used one of some of our B-roll from the New Orleans shoot in Lemonade. Oh, did she? Okay. And I mean, that was like three years after we even made it, but... Beyonce owes you a thank you now. (laughs) I know. I'm like, Beyonce saw my content? Like, I can just retire now. Um, But yeah, that was really, and that was my first job, and it just kind of immediately ingrained in me. Anything you're passionate about outside of work, you can bring into Into your workplace. Mm -hmm. And I've tried to do that at every job I've had. Do you ever find yourself kind of um, having a shift to like the doldrum type outlook? And kind of, if you do, what do you do to kind of snap yourself back out of that? Yeah, I'm human, of course. I have days where I'm like, oh gosh, like another status meeting. Like it it can feel (laughs) monotonous. Um, But I always have this voice from my mother in my head where she always says like victims are people that are unwilling or unable to change their circumstances. And so you can never be a victim of your situation at work because that just means that you are unwilling to change. It's usually not that you're unable, it's that you're unwilling. And then also 
also, my parents always told my brother and I when we were bored, they'd say, there's no such thing as being bored. There are only boring people. Did your parents mm, say that? Yeah. <laughs> it's so annoying when they say that. But it's kind of true. Like, if mm-hmm. you're bored at work, it's really on you. So if I'm having a moment where I feel like I'm not excited by something, I try to challenge myself to figure out how to fix it. So, you know, I want to talk a little bit about your parents, too, because your mm-hmm. parents had traditional corporate jobs oh, yeah, as well. super corporate. Right, and have done really well <laughs> yes. as well. So you were raised in that environment. I wonder what degree of conditioning contributes to kind of having a more positive outlook about work and, and just making a living through a job. That's really interesting, and I never made that connection, but I think you're absolutely right. Like, my father... It was a headhunter. He's retired mm. now. And my mother, her whole career was in marketing at different companies. So I would see them come home from work and over dinner, they would talk about how excited they were about their job. And yeah. I think, yeah, that probably gave me a more positive outlook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel the same, like just having traveled around. Because, you know, when you're growing up as a kid, you don't think about it as work, right? Yes. It's just the thing that yes. people do. Yes. Um, like it was just the thing that my dad did. Mm-hmm. But you know, it conditions you to kind of appreciate it. And in many ways, I find a lot of my own career aspirations now are rooted in things that I yeah. saw modeled by yeah. my family and my parents yeah. as well. But okay, so we've talked a little bit about why we're not going to adopt this like negative mentality and the benefits of just kind of understanding the value of work. But really tangibly, what is it? Like, what can we get out of these <sighs> day jobs so that we spend the majority of our lives at? I think that there's so much. I mean, I'm lucky to be at a large corporation like Viacom where there's a ton of professional development that they offer for employees if you're willing to take it. So Mm. whether it's taking a course on PowerPoint presentation skills or saying, hey, I want to learn Photoshop so that we don't have to outsource it to a designer every time files come in. Um, I want to learn how to do SEO. And then if you have passions on the side, then that's even better because you can then take that learning and apply it to the catering business you're trying to start on the side or whatever it is. Um, But I have found that at large corporations especially, there are a ton of opportunities for them to pay for you to like skill up because they it's in their best interest for you to be a really skilled employee so and I mean like I think trainings and classes have been great I also love the concept of like conferences if you can hack it yes even like internal forums yes absolutely and things like that I think the employee resource groups um we have employee resource groups. I, I think most companies have employee resource groups. Others tell for, us what those are for it. Yes, people who maybe yes don't we call understand. them ERGs, and I didn't even know what ERG stood for. Um, but it's employee resource groups, either for women. I mean, we have them for LGBT employees. We have them for women at work. We have them for um, Black employees. We have them for Asian American employees, and it's just. Um, kind of a safe space, if you will. And they do a lot of events and host panels and do outings. Um, And it's a great way to meet people across the organization. Because I think if you're at a great company, even if you're not at a great company, there are probably really smart people there. And part of the thing that you have to push yourself to do is try to meet those smart people and reach out to them and say, hey, I really admire you. Yeah. I think about Jesus and Mero trying to figure out their they, – they were at Viacom when I first joined. Oh, really? And their real names are not Jesus and Mero. And it was a challenge to figure out what their email was in the little Viacom system. <laughs> and even when I found it, like it's not like I got a response. Yeah. And, and when I did finally meet them, I was like, hey, I've been emailing you. And they were like, we don't check our email. <laughs> of course you don't. But it took me – feeling like, okay, I'm here in the building. So yeah, I'm going to introduce myself to someone like Charlemagne, or I'm going to introduce myself to Jesus and Mero and try to make those connections with mm. people that I'm inspired by. And even if you don't like your immediate coworkers, 
Nine times out of 10, there's someone within the entire organization that you admire and figuring out how to get close to them. I also think just on, on conferences for things like South by Southwest or can if you're so mm. lucky to have, <laughs> right. have you go, it's not just about asking to go because I think mm. a lot of people and I think junior people kind of make that mistake sometimes of saying like, hey, I'd love to go to this. You have to position it in a way that will be the benefit for the company is clear. Right. So I'd like to go and cover it on our Twitter feed and then present a recap back to our consumer insights team on learnings. And when you frame it that way and you say, I've done all of, I've done all of the math. This is what it's going to cost. I'm going to stay at the cheapest place and take these flights. And this is the total number. Then it's really easy for your manager to say, OK, yes. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Like people just don't even know that their companies have these resources. So I think when you first start, you know, those like first few weeks really in a new job and you really have nothing to do and you're like scrolling through the company internet, (laughs) that is the time to figure out because you're going to become so swamped that you won't have the time. But I have to always continually remind myself to carve out and usually Fridays are are my days where I do Mm -hmm. this just to actually block out time for yourself to figure out what untapped opportunities there are within your company. HR is there for a reason. And I think, you know, be being proactive about reaching out to them, but also, I've, I've tried to develop relationships with people where it's not always me coming to them when I need something. Yeah. So going out for coffee with someone, your HR generalist, and developing a relationship so they're invested in you. Mm. And then so when you go to them because you need something or you want to know how to find the professional development courses, they know who you are. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, one thing I like about you on a personal note is like you're quick to shoot a quick text over that's just like, hey, I have a question on (laughs) this, which is I think a lot of us when we're more junior are – we are scared to do that because we're like, oh, you have to go through the formal channels of an email and like giving all the context. But that like reaching out like and just texting is is how we all interact. It's more akin to the way people interact naturally. And so I think it creates like these bonds that feel real yes. um, with people in your network. And it's helped me to shift the way I think about networking mm-hmm. too. It doesn't always have to be very formal and in an email oh, because yeah. – then people are going to take two weeks to get back to you because sure. they're swamped. Yeah. But with a text, I'm like, yeah, I can give you a quick answer. Mm-hmm. So Something that I've learned recently, and it's interesting talking to some more senior executives about this, I'm learning that from their end, it's actually very daunting if someone asks if they can be a mentor to mm. them. It's like, what? <laughs> like, I have enough on my plate. I'm not <laughs> trying to take you on as a mentor. So it's almost like well, if you identify someone you want to be your mentor without them knowing officially, you know, it's, it's a very formal ask to be like, can you mentor me? You kind of just create the mentor-mentee relationship, but don't necessarily formalize it that way. Connecting them with others. I found that's a huge value proposition when yes. you're building your network. It's just like, oh, you have a job posting. It might not be for me, but let me forward it to yes. the rest yeah. of my network yes. and help you Absolutely. out. Absolutely. 
Um, another value I think about a lot with corporate jobs is just credibility. We had mm. um, Felicia Hatcher on a recent episode. She's an entrepreneur. And she was talking about how, you know, she left her day job and she wished that she would have leveraged it in the NBA to kind of just get out there. and Because and it, it's on your resume and it's like, I work for the NBA. And yeah. it, it opens doors whether Absolutely. you like it or not. Like Absolutely. it really does. I think that... I, I don't know if this is like an official number, but I've heard that on average recruiters spend less than 30 seconds looking at your resume and they're wow. really just scanning for brand names, yeah. right? There's like a brand recognition thing going on. And um, I did well at Stanford, but I don't, no one's ever asked me what my grades, they just said, oh, you went to Stanford. Right. And they assume, okay, she must be smart. Right. They don't really take the time to go deep they say, okay, you worked at Ralph Lauren. Like they, yeah. It's just this like name recognition thing. Yeah. It's natural for human beings to kind of scan that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's definitely value to working yeah. at a big company. So I mean, lean into it. Or even if it's not a big company, but with big brands, with yes. big yeah. partners, big yeah, clients, absolutely. or just things you know people will appreciate and recognize. I think we could definitely all do a better job of like leaning more into that. So from this conversation, it kind of sounds like that – Really, it's about basically like leaving your desk. Like the work (laughs) is more than just like what's happening at your computer all day. Totally. I think it's really tempting to kind of just like hunker down and be like, I just need to focus on like getting through my to-do list. But that's not how you make an impact on an organization. You have to get to know people and connect with them on a personal level. I think we're moving towards this culture of authenticity. Mm. So I think about like the rise of Tiffany Haddish and Cardi B. People Mm. love them because they're authentic and they're who they are. That is not appropriate behavior for the workplace. You can't act like that <laughs> not usually. in your corporate day job. But I think that it's just, it's just we loved Cardi before we heard a song from her. We loved her personality. And then so when the music came, mm. we were like, okay, if people like you as a person, then the work, they're going to be yeah. so much more open to it. They'll give you more constructive feedback because it's really about investing in you as a person. Mm. Yeah. Even if all of your work is perfect, but you never say hi to anyone yeah I think you're going to be well received yeah how can you kind of think about using the current role that you're in and the company connections that you have to get clarity about whatever it is that you're aspiring to next whether it's entrepreneurship or different type of role or promotion I feel like we get a lot of letters about people who are in transitions or trying to figure it out Mm -hmm. so how do you kind of take the place that you're in now and help that to build and direct you in terms of figuring out the next Even step. if you, like, don't like where you are, exactly. you can still use Exactly. It. I mean, haven't you guys had instances where you had a bad experience working on something and just you knew in your head, okay, now I know I don't like this? Yeah. Like, for me, it was working on PR stuff. Oh, like same. Stuff. <laughs> I, was interning, I was interning at Vogue, and we, they were, we were, I was working on, like, a seating chart, and the RSVPs kept coming in. We kept changing these like little pieces of paper around a table and I was like this is a job that people like I was and it's because I'm not like this super detail I'm not a perfection I think if you're like an OCD type person you thrive in something like events and PR it was not for me um have you have you guys like encountered oh, yeah. things that you were like this is not for me yeah, yeah for sure um I don't like when my work is behind a computer for too long. Mm-hmm. I like interacting with real people, real customers or at least knowing that the work that I'm doing will impact real people. So I'm not good for like strategy decks if I don't get to see the strategy mm. through. I'm not good for, um, yeah, just like stuff. You like want to execute. So boring. You yeah. want to execute. You want to <laughs> yeah. like do it. No program planning. Like if I'm program planning, I have to be able to execute it yeah. as well. That's good. To, that's a good thing to learn about yourself. Yeah. 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 
Your mind's similarly PR, especially like media relations, like Mm. hounding reporters. Like outreach. Anything that involves like having to follow up with someone again and again and again. my last email. Just (laughs) follow up. I had a great weekend. Following up. (laughs) It's like, please just respond so I can tell my boss that you responded. (laughs) So they will stop asking me to hound you. So yeah. Yeah. So I think it's, yeah, figuring, figure out what you don't like. That's step one. And then I think, for me, I've been lucky in that, and actually I think all millennials have this advantage. If you're working at a company, usually they're trying to target you, Mm -hmm. right? So you have this unique perspective in being and saying, okay, I listen to a lot of podcasts. You guys are trying to get millennials to care about your brand. Why don't we do a podcast? And this is who I think we should do it with, and this is how I could help. It's kind of like figuring out what you're paying attention to Mm -hmm. and then relaying that back to the brand that you work for and figuring out or like, hey, I think we could do this really cool YouTube series or we have all these great guests that come in and out of the office. Why don't we do a QA and a with them and post it on LinkedIn, right? So like figuring out those natural things that you are interested in and bringing it into work. Yeah. And then I think just being open to things. Yeah. And I I mean, to your point, it's like you can't be afraid to use your voice, too. I think a lot of us are scared of how that might be received Mm -hmm. um, or like going through the proper channels or whatever the case is. But you can't be afraid to just like get in there and get in the game and use your voice. Yeah. Even if it's wrong, like at least you're vocal and you're visible and, you know, you're contributing to the organization. And I think it's challenging for introverts. Like Mm -hmm. I'm naturally conversational with people. I think that if you are not someone who is comfortable, and I deal with this with my brother, he's very shy at work, and I'm always like, go and introduce yourself. He's like, no, ew. Yeah. Like, <laughs> God, no. Like, he's like, the thought of it alone, like, I would not, like, it just gives him anxiety. Yeah. And so even if in, like, your interpersonal skills aren't where you need them to be, just think in the back of your head about getting them to where mm. they need to be, because you need them. Yeah. And, you can start small when yeah. you go down for coffee. Hey, does anyone else want coffee? I'm just going, you know, start small and then eventually you'll get more comfortable talking to people. Yeah. But it's hard. It yeah. Is. I think we can let it either be daunting or take it as a challenge. Because I know yeah. at least when I started in the workforce and just being like the only minority there and just feeling like, oh, it's so like to your point, like a lot of your opportunities are based off relationships. And you feel like, oh, how can I even fit into this? Yeah. But embracing that like, oh, I'm, I mean, I'm the flavor here. I love that. And then also back to this idea about bringing your full self to work. Like I love fashion. So if I see someone regardless of what level they are, that's wearing an amazing outfit. I'm going to like, I love your jacket. I love your look. Find ways to naturally connect with people and don't feel like you have to be this like corporate robot. Because I think, again, that adds to this idea. Anytime you're trying to act or put on like a facade, you're going to find your work soul-sucking. So try to be as much of who you are outside of work, in work, but obviously calibrate for the right situation. This has been great. You know, we're rethinking our roles. We're thinking about the values we can get out of them. I think for a lot of people, though, who do have aspirations of entrepreneurship that are valid, that aren't purely based on the fact that the grass is greener on the other side, how do you start to think about your current role um, as preparation for, you know, maybe entrepreneurship or working for yourself? Yeah, I think that you can again, use what the company is doing to either learn what you want to do when you start your own company or what you don't want to do when Mm -hmm. you start your own company. And I think that there are ways to be really intentional about it. So I don't have a 
10-year plan, a five-year plan, even when people ask me about that, it kind of gives me anxiety because I'm like, I don't know. I'm just focusing one day at a time. But I think about my friend Abigail. She is now starting a ski wear line, and she knew that she wanted to learn about the supply chain, and she wanted to learn about technical fabrics. So she applied for a job at Nike and worked there for two years and knew very concretely, at the end of this time, I'm going to leave and start my own company. And that's what she's yeah, doing now. Yeah. Um, but that foundation that she got by working for Nike, she wouldn't have known those things. You know, yeah. you have to do a lot of Google searching to figure right. out um, things that you can, again, just get paid to learn. Yeah. And also like paid to fail on the company yes. dime because you yes. get to play around with the budgets and Absolutely. test things out and pitch things. Oh, and my God. I worked at a startup where it was mind-blowing to work there because this guy, he basically would say like, oh, we've never done that before, but let's just get the client to pay us to figure it out. Right. And I'm like, you can do that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then exactly. you get to learn from that experience. Right. And if it was your own company and your own money, you wouldn't want to do right. that. Right, right. So I think there's a lot of value in, yeah, learning from big companies before you go out and start your own thing. Yep, Absolutely. Well, Brooke, this has been phenomenal. It's Thanks been great. so much for joining us. Where can our listeners connect with you? So many of them already are. Right. I see them on your page. Yes, I know. There's a lot of naked beauty and job logs crossover. Yes, so I appreciate I that. But yeah, the podcast is the Naked Beauty Podcast, and I'm at Brooke DeVard on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. It's just D E V A R D, Brooke DeVard. Amazing. Yeah, go check her out. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right, now it's time for Ask Job Log. So this is the segment of the show where we address your career and life questions. As always, you can shoot a question over to us or just, you know, send a request to pick our brains on a topic, a conundrum you're facing by visiting joblogs.com slash askjoblogs or calling 929-324-1090. We have one question in the inbox today. Yes, we have. This question states, hello, friends. I've recently graduated and started my first entry-level job in the field. At the time I was applying to this position, I received three job offers. While applying, I did some research, and the reviews with former employees weren't the greatest. There were a lot of complaints regarding compensation, long hours traveling every day without overtime, some issues with management, etc. I figured the long-term goal is worth the short-term sack. Sucked it up and applied. Fast forward to now, and long story short, I'm not enjoying it at all. The hours are long with no breaks or lunch during the day due to traveling. The conditions of the job require me to work out of my car because there's no central office and have zero interaction with coworkers. And I don't feel like the pay reflects the amount of work I'm putting in. I've also been feeling a lot less confident in my abilities due to a few mistakes I've made as a new employee. I know it's really early in the game and entry-level jobs aren't supposed to be perfect, but I can't help but feel an immense amount of regret for not choosing one of the other positions, and I'm constantly looking for new job postings that may pop up. What would be a reasonable amount of time to stay and add the learned skills to my resume without looking like I'm hopping from job to job? Thank you both for everything you do. Podcast is the reason why I haven't received job offers in the first place. Truly changed my whole job search experience. You are very welcome. welcome. You are welcome and you are in quite a conundrum, honey. Yes. (laughs) Um, Hmm. It doesn't say how long. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. 
You said you recently graduated and, and started your first entry level job. I feel like that after you said that, yeah. my mind automatically did do like a entitled millennial thing. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But um, I get it because, like, yeah. at that stage, like, you feel everything. Every experience feels like an eternity. And it's like you're adjusting to just, like, work, work. period, yes. which is a, a process. A whole thing. <laughs> so, um, you know, you're valid in how you're feeling and pay attention to all of how you're feeling. But I think we've talked about this in past episodes. You really just got to reframe this experience as a, a time to... Learn what you don't like yes, and what you don't Brooke. want. This and episode was exactly, for you. <laughs> exactly. I think probably right out of school, a minimum for me is a year. Really? Yeah. I think as you get older in your career, you could do unless it's like, unless it's like killing you inside. Yeah, like yeah. your wellness is deteriorating. Yeah, you're being demeaned, whatever. Yeah. But to me, like a year, because first of all, I I believe. You're onboarding for six months. <laughs> Real. You pretty much don't know the company or the job or the role for the first six months. Yeah. And then you're finally getting in the swing of things. And I'm thinking, like, to your point as a new grad, it's like for the next role that you have, do you want to, like, be competing with, like, other people who are fresh right. out of college? Right. Or do you want to come in, like, I have a year, a of, year experience. of experience. It's yeah. a different yeah. thing. I think that's the big thing yeah. for me. Because if you had, like, three to five years of experience, you got... I mean, I don't... It's not encouraged, but you can hop in three or six months and do it the right way. I have friends who, like, they went somewhere and it just was yeah. not the move. And they got a better opportunity because yeah. their expertise didn't rely on that one job that was like a mistake. Sure. So yeah. if you have other things on your resume, other internships, other job experience you can leverage, then sure, maybe start entertaining things a little earlier. But I'd say like try to try to stick it out for yeah around a year, which means start looking heavily like that's six months in. Because mm-hmm. the other problem with like being miserable so early on is that like you're saying you're like looking for jobs already. Your head is not in the game mm-hmm. with your current role at yeah. all. And so I think you just have to make a decision. Like, am I going to kind of be miserable and come in every day and like add to my list of complaints? Or am I going to come up with a game plan and say, you know what, in three months from now, I can start entertaining roles. But until then, I'm going to just stay focused on yeah. getting through this. Yeah, getting something job. like a clear like success for your resume and yeah, and then get out. I think I hated. My, I definitely hated my first job, mm-hmm. and I stuck it out a year. Yeah, you can do it. It's you can do it. And then I mean, also like if there are a few things you can influence or change or feedback you can provide, consider it carefully. But again, just being new and entry level, it's such a dangerous yeah. time. No, like you don't want to come out of undergrad like raising hell and problems. <laughs> it's not it's hard yeah your reputation in the work industry kind of sticks with you so try to be a problem solver not a problem creator unless like we said it's just like destructive to your wellness so good luck keep us posted Well, thank you all for joining us again for another episode. Many thanks to Brooke for imparting all of that wisdom yes, and yes. helping us just think a little differently about, you know, the thing we call work. Mm-hmm. And many thanks to our sponsor, One United Bank, America's largest black-owned bank. 
And if you're enjoying this episode and you're looking for more resources, we definitely encourage you to head on over to oneunited.com. They have amazing blog posts and other resources to help you on your financial journey. Be sure to follow them around the web at One United on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And don't forget, if you love the show, share it with a friend. You can connect with us around the web at Jawblogs or Jawblogs.com. I'm Cleve Out Loud. I'm Hamas Parka. See ya. See ya. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.